Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com, brought to you by our title sponsor, the Holy Grail at the banks. Open for business. Stop down, get you some socially distanced lunch. Enjoy the patio seating. Get my wife's favorite, the Reuben wontons. Are you a Reuben wonton guy, Dave? Yes, very much so. My, I'm not a, I'm not a Reuben person largely, mm. mainly because I don't, I don't enjoy sauerkraut. Oh. So, I'm a texture guy. Big, Sauerkraut's big, big fan of of all things Reuben. Yeah, my my wife is also a big fan of all things Reuben. She likes the Reuben wontons. I like the Philly cheesesteak. I like the pizza, as is the case everywhere. I, uh, I like chicken wings. So lots of options, lots of booze, and lots of good times. Get down to the Holy Grail at the Banks, where hopefully here in a couple of weeks we'll be watching, or you'll be watching football. I, I'm not allowed to play with anyone yet. <laughs> you might but be, it is, in, a couple, in a couple of weeks, you might be able to go down there and get a beer before you go into a baseball or football game i will not we we found out today kelly's um not you kelly's, but yeah, you the collective the collective we found out today that the kelly's treatment schedule is uh is going to be about a year oh yeah so it has been nice knowing you all <laughs> <laughs> i will see you sometime in the middle of 2021 probably uh the next time they play college football this yeah, time might, next year it might be it might be but, you know, we'll, we'll get into that plenty. However, please patronize our sponsor because they are good to us. And we are, we are very close to our friends at the Holy Grail Banks. Uh, they were the very first sponsor of Bearcat Journal way back in the day when it was the Holy Grail Clifton. And they are back on board full time now. They are the title sponsor officially for whatever happens to this UC football season. Are you okay, Dave? Yeah. Did, was there something growing on your, growing on your head? Well, it's not hair. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's why no, I was I a little – I don't know. That's why I was a little – was there a spider up there spinning no, a web or – I don't think so. I don't know what it was. All of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm, re, I'm going through the ad, and I look, and Dave's bald dome is – Right in the top of his, right in the camera, uh, yeah. right in my face. Good thing we've, right, gone, Dave. we've gone away from the Zoom uh, yeah. videos, thankfully. <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, the, the, for once, the American Athletic Conference uh, strategy of sit back, relax, and let yourself go has uh, paid off. <laughs> the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not playing football in the fall of 2020. So far, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, uh, in terms of the Power Five, are playing football or are moving forward with their plan to play football. The American uh, it has followed that path. So the team is at Camp Higher Ground. They are training. They are getting ready for, uh, for a season. Uh, it, it was announced today, interestingly enough, uh, in the OVC, that they are moving their conference schedule to the spring, but if their teams would like to play games, uh, basically if their teams would like, if their teams have a chance to play a bye game in the fall, they will be allowed. 
So uh, at the moment, it looks like Austin P is a go. That is the funny thing, is, Dave, for the longest time, I thought that was going to be like a lock to be the first game that was, was shelved. Right. And right now, that might be the non-conference game, the, the well, one yeah. non-conference game. All those F- FCS conferences are saying, hey, we're going to push conference play, but if you're scheduled to get 500000 or a million bucks, go for go. it. Yeah, go, go do your thing. But since we are sitting here uh, Thursday, August 13th at 7.41 p.m., and as you said – That's important still... because every – the time and date stamp is important because everything changes so right. freaking fast nowadays. But since, as you said, the Bearcats are still scheduled to be playing a football game this fall, I thought it might be fun – and uplifting for us to talk about actual football before we get into our destroying everybody in the country segment of the podcast. So what has been going on in higher ground, Chad? Uh, quite a bit. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little difficult getting schedules worked out to talk to sources because obviously they are sequestered. The, the days are busy. The nights are busy. Uh, then they go to bed and wake up and, and rinse repeat. Um, but I, I've heard quite a bit coming out of higher ground. I, I would say uh, there was a, a thread on the board today about a player uh, posting an Instagram video uh, training back in Cincinnati. I would say if you see something along those lines, uh, don't freak out. Just assume. And I, I, I am assuming this because nobody at, at UC has been very upfront about what's going on with um, – with testing and, and contact tracing and things of that nature. Uh, from my understanding, there's been a lot of contact tracing. And they have been very careful with it. And if a guy is not at higher ground, it's because they don't want somebody that might have it to be at higher ground and to potentially spread it through the bubble. Um, so I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't overly freak out if something seems abnormal. Uh, Unless I say it's okay to freak out. And on the situation that was presented today, uh, I don't think there's any need to freak out with the Jarrell White Instagram post, if you're curious. And I do think you bring up an interesting point, because obviously a lot of the discussion is on testing. How often can they test? Because that's a money thing. You know, where the SEC might be able to test a certain amount of time. The AAC or the Sun Belt or whatever – might not be able to match that necessarily. But I, I think the, the contact tracing sometimes maybe gets overlooked. But that is how you keep like a position group or an entire team from becoming, you know, quarantined where, okay, this person did test. How quickly can we figure out what teammates they've been around? How recently have they been around them? and get those guys tested and figure all that out. That's, I think, the part that that maybe gets overlooked a little bit and is the harder part, but maybe the more important part as far as actually having a team capable of playing a game. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's where we're at. <laughs> and it would be nice if we had more information on, uh, testing and whatnot, but obviously from from Dr. Pinto on down, they have decided to keep that 
information under wraps, which is very much their, their call, their decision. Um, we certainly don't have a, uh, <laughs> uh, a right to know exactly how all the tests are, have gone. I think transparency, you know, from that we've seen from some places has been nice. But I, I think when you really think about it, Dave, the test results we have seen or the places we have seen uh, putting out test results have really been few and far between. Right. I mean, they make headlines, but I mean, there's 128 Division One football teams. We've seen maybe, what, 10 regularly updating? Regularly. I mean, I think there's more that have at some point given some level of an update. I think from our standpoint as a website, sure, we'd love to know. Our fans would love to know, is it going great? Is it going poorly? I think, I think we can venture to guess it's not going terrible. And we can probably also guess that it's not perfect or that most places that have been unbelievably great will brag about it. So it's probably somewhere in the middle. And what seems to have started to crop up, especially in the ACC today with Florida State and Syracuse again, as long as they're being open and honest and doing everything that they're supposed to be doing for the players and the players' families, I think that's all that really matters. Correct. Absolutely. And what we're seeing from around the country is if they weren't doing that, we would know. Right. People are starting to say, like, hey, they're telling us one thing or they're telling us to say this. Like, it was funny today I saw some tweets on from Florida State guys, and it was almost like the coaches told them what to tweet because they were – to the letter exactly the same like everything's going great we're doing all the right thing like and that's after that's after 18 year old kids don't just tweet on their own it was like too perfect of grammar too perfect of sentence structure everything that is after of course someone came out and said they're not being tested every week yeah to mary and terry probably their most notable (laughs) player wide receiver could have probably gone pro last year yeah yeah and guess what Players are going to check you now. Like, we are in that era, right? Well, yeah, because once once two major leagues decide they're not going to play, they're going, okay, we want to play, but these guys didn't think it was safe. You better show me that it's safe for us to play. Even though we want to play, you still got to prove that because these guys over here didn't think that it was safe enough to play. And now they are comfortable in their platform saying, speaking out, which I for a long time, kids have not – for. Since the beginning of college sports, and especially since college sports has become a, a, a multi-billion dollar industry, players didn't speak out. No, never. And now it's a good thing. If you're, if you're telling them you're going to do one thing to keep them safe and you're not delivering on what you're telling them, I am all for a kid saying, look, we were told we were going to be tested every week. We're being tested every 10 days, every 15 yeah. days. Um. I think that's the right thing to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, don't, under, I don't know, what, you know why anybody would, would say that they don't want a, a college athlete who feels like, you know, maybe something isn't what I've been told to, to voice that concern. Like, it would, it would be no different if your child was a regular student on campus and they're floor advisor or dorm or dorm advisor or a professor or anybody was doing something that you didn't think was right or that was it going against what they told you that they were going to do or how it was going to be on their floor or whatever the case may be we'd expect that person to voice their concern for someone whether it was their parent or a higher up or whatever 
So why should it be any different with an athlete and their coach, especially in a situation like this, when it's a when there's a global pandemic? Right. Um, other stuff at camp. Uh, one, uh, it, it sounds like the freak is the freak again. Uh, I, I was told there was, and I, and I'll name who it is because I don't think it'll make him mad. But uh, I was told it was probably Friday or Saturday. Um, I made some calls as I was on my way to Hocking Hills to, uh, you know, to check on some things. And I, I was told there was a play in the flat, a little kind of quick out screen type play to Bruno LaBelle. And it was one of those plays that we saw two years ago where James Wiggins is at the snap 25 yards away from the play. And the ball is snapped and the play develops and the tight end makes his little you know, short outcut on the screen. And by the time he catches the ball, uh, James Wiggins is planting him on his derriere. And Friday was, what was it? Yeah, Friday was the first day in pads. Friday, I, you know, Luke Fickle even said that the Friday practice was a little bit chippy because they had pads on. Um, and it was one of those where everybody on the field, and you get this from the offensive guys and the defensive guys. Of course, the defensive guys, uh, apparently came running out and gave him all kinds of love. But it was one of those like, oh, okay, yeah, James, James is good to go. And when your best player is good to go, arguably your best player is good to go, I think after being out for a full year, I think that is, uh, that is the, a type of spark that kind of is contagious for a team. For sure. I mean, you, you, everybody on the team knows his place on the team, his place, you know, in the league. So when you see a player of his caliber do something like that or just in general, you know, going through the paces on a daily basis and not looking like he's having any ill effects, then, yeah, it lifts the spirits of everybody. And, you know, I just think that this team, like, I mean, there's been talk and Luke hasn't really shied away from it. Like, he thinks these this group can be special, and I totally agree with him. And, you know – that's part of the frustration of all of this is we don't know what the future holds other than what's right in front of us. And it would be just a damn shame if they couldn't play in the fall and, and then maybe couldn't play in the spring. And then, you know, who knows what happens after that. So, I mean, it's just, I'm trying to, to just stay in the here and now and, you know, take, solace in the fact that they're practicing and you know understandably as coach said the other day attitudes and effort maybe were a little bit down because how could they not be I mean they're sitting there practicing while they just watched a couple conferences cancel so they're obviously worried about what's next for them and then the next day they were uh you know back at it and I think that happens when you have coaching continuity with players that have bought into those coaches and then you also have a really strong leadership group. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be seniors. I mean, yes, you have your senior leaders, but, like, I'm sure Des is a strong leader going in as his third year as a starting quarterback. And you have, you know, other positions. So I think that, from just a fan standpoint, is reassuring that if they – that this group can handle what's being thrown at them because they've been through a lot together. And then they have a coach that I think they all feel confident in is giving them the information that they ask for the best that he can and doesn't pull any punches, doesn't hide stuff, 
you know, that they trust. So they're willing to keep going for him and for their teammates because they believe in everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most encouraging thing that has come out of this is we have seen across the country quite a bit of turmoil, quite a bit of roster unrest, quite a bit of evidence that there's a lot of places that there's not a lot of trust in the locker room, that there, there's not a lot of trust between players and coaching staffs. And I haven't heard of any of that. I haven't seen any evidence of any of that with this UC team. What I've seen is a team that, that appears to be focused, be on task, be pointed in the right direction, be being, uh, you know, looking out for each other, working on the right things. And that's, about as good a sign as culture as you can have in the current environment, right? Because we've seen some stuff in the conference. We've seen a lot of stuff out of the conference that there are people that aren't necessarily satisfied with, with what kind of situation they're in. We haven't seen any of that from UC. I think that does speak to the culture that, that Luke Fickle has built, the culture that has been established by what is – a senior laden roster, or at least a, a very heavy upperclassman laden roster. And it seems like the young guys have pretty much fallen in step as they have gotten acclimated to the program. And there's quite a few of those guys we could talk about if we're talking about uh, who, who has people buzzing so far at the start of practice. Yeah, I was kind of going to get to that as far as specifically the wide receivers, just because we know that that is probably the most open – position on the roster and brought in the most new players from last year has any I mean obviously we're still only it feels like days take years but we're still only you know barely over a full week since they've been at higher ground has anybody what's the word been on the, the group as a whole um I think there has been some some missing bodies uh due to minor injuries I I think there might be a, a contact tracing situation or two in the wide receiver room. Uh, but for the most part, the guys that I've heard the most about, obviously Jaden Thompson, his ability to, to go over the top and make plays down the field uh, has been promising. But the guy I've heard most is Tyler Scott. And without seeing him personally, um, the vibe I'm getting is very similar to what we saw from uh, Trey Tucker at this time last year. A little bit of a smaller guy, speed guy. So what you know of that throughout time is, okay, well, what's, what's the toughness factor like? How much of a football player is this kid and how much of a track guy is this kid? And everybody I've talked to, when I mentioned the wide receiver room and I mentioned the young guys, Tyler Scott is the first name to come up. And, um, boy, that's it's going to be a lot of talent to get on the field in the slot. If Michael Young is your starter and you've got Trey Tucker behind him and you've got Tyler Scott behind him, uh, I believe Norman Love is, has had a bit of an injury that has held him out so far. But you've got another guy in Norman Love that everybody is, uh, has been high on. So uh, the, the biggest name I have heard uh, so far has been Tyler Scott, which – not totally surprising because people – there was a lot of talk about him coming in as a prospect as well. Anything else just 
one of the from the from the discussions. I mean, I know again, it's only been a week, and they they've just now put on pads and stuff, but and we can't get out there, so it's harder to to really know what's going on. Uh, get used to the name Deshaun Pace. Jarrell White. Good to, that's good to hear. I'll, I'll check that one in my box as far as feeling that he was vastly underrated by our network. Uh, Jarrell White, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, is right now not with the team. It's nothing to worry about. I wouldn't, wouldn't freak out about it, as I said. That has created uh, an opportunity where I, Deshaun Pace has gotten a bit of run with the first team. And from my gathering, um, he has every bit looked the part. And when you're running with that first team, right? <laughs> when you're, hard when to, you're hard to stick out. When you're running with that first team with that many guys that have been around for as long as they have, and you're starting to stick out, it, it bodes very well for the career of Deshaun Pace at the sniper position for Cincinnati. If you have going forward Dorian Holloway and Deshaun Pace as your snipers for the next four or five years, I think that is going to be a position of strength for the Cincinnati Bearcats, even after uh, Jarrell White exhausts his eligibility at UC. Uh, Sammy Anderson, I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, I, I, he had a pick. And, and, and actually, if you listen to the, uh, the Wired Wednesday yesterday with uh, Scruggs, you can hear him yelling at Sammy about a pick. There you go, young fella. There you go, Sammy. There you go, young fella. Get that pick. And you see him running out onto the field. Uh, Sammy Anderson has turned a lot of heads, as expected. Talent-wise, he's as talented as anybody they brought in in a, in a very good recruiting class. And, again, if you're making noise in that cornerback room with the first and second team as a freshman, uh, your future is, is very, very bright. So we got our first commitment last night in what feels yes. like a year and a half from uh, <laughs> Fort Lauderdale defensive lineman Jamal Williams. Seems to be in somewhat of the Maje mold, tall, lanky, 6'4", 225 is what 24-7 lists him at. Uh, had several Power 5 offers, Mississippi State, Syracuse, Louisville. Interest from the Florida schools. Uh, probably the COVID slowed that down and might have actually helped UC in, in that yeah. case. Um, any Anything on him that we can can offer I mean, or just kind of what's what's out there now? It, it was down to Mississippi State, Kansas, and, and Cincinnati. I think, you know, normally you look at Kansas and people kind of roll their eyes, but uh, Les Miles is there. That, that's a little bit different scenario in terms of talent evaluation if Kansas is recruiting a kid now. Uh, as opposed to maybe two, three years ago. He can still um, always flash that ring. He can. Um, they they love his length. They love his athleticism. He's one of those guys that where he ends up is probably uh, similar to Majay in that. And, and Majay was like 205. Yeah, he definitely. I mean, this, yeah, this kid's a lot a lot bulkier than Majay was. But um, I think – they really like his length and, and we know on the edges from the day that they got here, if you have followed what they've done uh, in recruiting edge guys, they love long athletic guys. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite of uh, how they've looked on the offensive line where they've looked for guys that are already up near that 290, 295, 300-pound mark. Um, now it's more, you know, let's get some guys defensively that, that give us that 6'4", 6'5", rangy, uh, long, athletic guy that can get after the passer. And if, if he bulks up, you move him to a strong side end. You know, if he comes in and jumps up to 260, 270, once he gets in the strength program, uh, if not, you can leave him at that kind of hybrid jack position where he can play up, he can play down, he can pass rush um, if he stays in the 240, 250 range. So uh, very, it's a kid that they've been very high on for a long time. I mean, I know, uh, what, three, four weeks ago, maybe even longer than that, um, Mick wrote an article. Yeah, early July, I think. Yeah, about him becoming a priority for this staff. And they were able to close and get it done. Uh, it'll be interesting to see now because they have at least one spot for a defensive lineman left. I think if they make the, you know, if it's the right mix of guys, I think they could find two. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this allows them to maybe put a little heat on a guy like Zaquai Lawton, who I think they absolutely would foam at the mouth over being able to get him uh, added into this class. So, uh, oh, oh, by the way, um, we might have a true freshman starter on the offensive line. John Williams? <laughs> yeah. So, Vinny has been out. Uh, McConnell has been out. I, I, again, I think it's a contact tracing situation. Um, but in his absence, Freshman John Williams, who enrolled early, he was here for the, the couple spring practices. If you remember back to spring practice, I heard nothing but rave reviews about John Williams from the day he got to campus. And at the start of camp with the starting right guard, the, the scheduled starting right guard not around, John Williams was, uh, was put into that spot. And I would not be surprised if we see when there is football, right? Because that's how Luke operates. Sure. When we have football in 2020, I would not be surprised to see a true freshman at right guard. <laughs> that, I mean, does, that, does that surprise you? Yes and no. I mean, yes, from the standpoint of you just don't see that. Um, not, not in the American. But no, from the standpoint of the way that they've recruited the offensive line the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, you know, if a guy – comes in and, you know, it's always the physical stuff. It's always, well, they're never quite ready physically or they need to put weight on. Well, he came in at six foot five, 295 pounds. Right. So, and, and it was, it was where the 295 was where it was supposed to be. Right. right. It wasn't so 295 you, that had to be reshaped. So if you can handle a college offense, then it doesn't surprise me. It's just something that you just usually don't, you don't see on this level. And a lot of times at UC's in UC situation, you don't see it because they're not able to get athletic six foot five, two hundred and ninety five pound guards uh, out of high school, or at least that's what history would say, right? Yes. Reality is starting to maybe look a little bit different because you saw Jeremy Cooper step right in at, at left guard as, as a redshirt freshman, and he was running with the twos his true freshman year. 
Marcelo Mendiola running with the twos his true freshman year. I fully expect before long we'll see Jake Renfro running with the twos at center as a true freshman. I'm sure they would like to do everything in their power to redshirt him, oh, yeah. uh, to, to start him as a redshirt freshman next year after Jakari uh, graduates. Um, but they are definitely bringing in a different type of kid along the offensive line. We saw that with the 2020 class. We are seeing it again with the 2021 class. It is no longer a matter of bringing in somebody that you hope can contribute in three years, four years. It is bringing in someone you expect to make some noise on the depth chart in year one, even if they don't get on the field and to be ready to be on the field in year two. And we saw it last year with Dylan O'Quinn and, and Colin Woodside. They were O'Quinn, O'Quinn a little bit farther behind uh, in that process than Woodside was because O'Quinn had played so much tight end in high school. But those two guys are now in a position where they're, they're older guys that are expected to be part of this rotation. Marcelo Mendiola entering his second year, expected to be a guy that is in the, the, the center of the mix for this rotation. So, you know, it's, um, it's been interesting to watch develop because it's taken a long time for the program to get here. Dave, I know there are a lot of people that didn't think the program would ever get to the point <laughs> where they're bringing in 18 and 19-year-olds that are talented enough to play right away at the offensive line. And, and that for me is a pretty significant symbol of another step being taken by the program. Right. For sure. It is. I, mean, <coughs> I don't think many other G five. I'm going to keep saying G five because I don't believe in the P six thing, but uh, G five teams are doing that. Even, you know, UCF, Memphis, Boise. I'm, I, I don't know their rosters you know, forwards and backwards. But at this level, it's usually older players that have been in the, in the program for a while. And, you know, this, this staff has definitely proven, I'm sure it helps in recruiting, that if you're good, you will play. And I don't, yeah. they don't just mean we'll run you out there on punt coverage when we're up 45 to nothing. If you're good, you will get on the field when it matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you sell Jeremy Cooper to recruits, right? And you say, look, this kid was the best option we had at left guard as a redshirt freshman. We groomed him for that by putting him on the second team as a true freshman. And if you're good enough as a true freshman and a spot becomes available, your ass better be ready because there, there's a good chance you're going to be out on the field. So um, I'm trying to think what else has has really jumped out from the things I've been hearing. I just want to uh, congratulate us for talking about actual football for almost 30 minutes. <laughs> Good job, us. <clears throat> I mean, like it or not, life is going on at Camp Higher Ground. It's going on without us. Yeah. But it's still happening. It is still ongoing. And that means there are things happening and, and things for people to talk about. And when I can get them on the phone, I will talk to them about it. And um, well, I'm glad I'm glad we have something to talk about that that's football, actual football related. I mean, I know we're going to get into it, but I mean, I don't want to talk about this crap 
any more than I have to. So it's very nice. Even if, <laughs> even if I 100% don't believe we're actually going to have a fall season, for right now, today, I'm right. very well, happy to talk about it. Here, here's my thing. Like, we, we could find out tomorrow that everything is bagged. Like, they're, you know, the, the right. ACC could be like, uh, we decided to, like, you know, we looked at all the information. We decided against it. Um, so, for now, they have been at camp for eight days, and there's camp things to talk about. So, let's talk yeah. about camp things. Cover, Every, cover look, the, cover look, the Dave, team. Look, Dave, everybody by now knows – this is Thursday. This stuff all started really to hit the fan on, on Sunday night and Monday. Right. By now, everybody's nobody's listening for our take right off the top of, of what no, all of is course, going on. Of course not. I'm not listening for that. I've been doing radio for two days, and, and outside, I had Justin on today for an hour talking about stuff, but even we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it because I just think everybody knows the situation. Everybody knows what we're dancing around. Um, everybody knows that it's going to be very difficult to, to play a game here in a couple weeks, but – why not talk about stuff while we can talk about it? Why not oh, talk that's, about I, that's why I wanted to. That's why I wanted to start with that because, I mean, that's at least enjoyable. Talking about the other stuff is almost like, you know, just talking about the inevitable. Yeah. I mean, I want to know what's going on. I mean, without being able to go out there, I want to know. I'm sure just like I want to know, I'm sure everybody else wants to know what's going on at higher ground. So Yeah. I mean, I, I've put one update on the board. I, I was, I, I'm thinking maybe tomorrow or the next day I should hopefully have another one. Um, I was hoping to, to, to try to get something every other day, but there's just been so much chaos, and it's been – players don't want to talk. Like, players aren't interested in doing interviews right now because they know what they're going to be asked about. They, they I really – I don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. Again, it's frustrating on my end, but it's not like my end really matters all that much. Um, I've had a player I've been waiting to talk to since Monday, uh, but the players don't want to talk, and I don't blame them. No. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're isolated. They're, they're dealing with what they're dealing with. I'm sure they're getting inundated with a million different things every day, uh, people trying to find out what's going on and, and – telling them what's going on, what not. No, what I, can't, I can't imagine the, the mess, just all their friends or family, whoever, Hey, I saw this on Twitter. I heard this. Right. I mean, like I would, I would turn my, I mean, I'd turn my phone off. I'd tell my family, Hey, I'll call you at this time every night, my girlfriend, whatever. And I'm keeping my phone off, you know, cause I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, that's just rough. I mean, you're out there, you're trying to practice, you're trying to get ready for a season because as of today, you've been told you're still going to try to have a season and then you just, you're getting inundated with all this other stuff. I wouldn't want to talk to anybody either. Yeah. So I'm going to keep attempting. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying to, uh, to get somebody when I can. Um, but until then, you know, we'll, we'll keep pressing on and, and giving as much information as we can. Uh, I think that was pretty detailed uh, half hour of, of what I'm hearing from, from higher ground and a, a lot of stuff, not surprisingly, and not a lot of stuff about, you know, what was coming in regarded as the number one recruiting class in UC football history. I don't think it should be a surprise that there's a few guys in that mix that, uh, that are going to find their way onto the field 
if there is a 2020 season. When there is a 2020 season, as Luke Fick, I don't, if Luke's listening, right. I don't want to upset him. When there is a 2021 season, 2020 right. season. So, so let's, let's look at this from an AAC standpoint. We don't, I don't think, you know, like you said, it's now been, you know, over three full days plus of the Big Ten and the Pac 12. I don't think we need to really touch on that. They just, they're, you know, it's, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the summer. It's uh, how much risk are you willing to take on? You, two people can look at the exact same information and say, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. Or someone might say it's not as bad as I, as I thought it was going to be. So from the AAC standpoint, we discussed the last time we talked about scheduling options and things like that. Yes. They are still – Holding on to their initial scheduling model, which has UC playing September 3rd, I would imagine that maybe not this week, but maybe next week, they will push that back. Um, I don't, I think that's not realistic to say we're going to play a game in like 20 days. So, do you agree with that? I think that is probably likely, um, especially when you look at what the three power conference um, commissioners are doing, where the most is a plus one. Right. Um, I think you are going to see all of them push their start dates back. Uh, we've already seen that with most of them, actually. Uh, and, and then saying, like, you know, if, if, if you're going to play out of conference – uh, you're going to have them in these two weeks. Here's the problem with that. That's going to be interesting from the Americans' perspective. That would mean that they would have to give up on their eight plus four uh, type dream. But but I mean, at this point, does any does anybody even? I mean, I don't know everybody else's deals, but like, does anybody even have two or more games still lined up? I don't think so, but I under, think you under are the current, under the current time frame. I mean, I'm sure they might, but like I think FIU basically told UCF, like we're not going to play a game until the 26th of September. We were supposed to play them on like 12th or something. So even though UCF still has, I think FIU and Georgia Tech, if FIU is not going to play until the 26th, then now they only have Georgia Tech. So. At some point, because of, there just aren't any teams to play anymore, don't they have to kind of go to, like, the SEC or whoever starting – at this point, they're, start, they're saying they're going to start conference play on the 26th with the 10-game schedule. The, the American is still saying an eight-game schedule. So, I mean, I just don't know how you hold on to that much longer because there just aren't any teams for you to, to, to play – more than one, maybe two non-conference games. I, I'm wondering if we might see some kind of scheduling alliance between the American Conference USA and Sunbelt. That, that brings up an interesting point because we know this, and I, but I also think that this whole thing has put it even more into the national eye of the fact that for some reason, right or wrong, these conferences refuse to collaborate with each other. 
Yes. On, on anything, which for a multi-billion dollar industry is literally one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen. Now that there are only quote unquote six conferences, but I mean, some of those aren't like Conference USA, ODU's not even playing. So it's not even full conferences. Right. Why wouldn't they all get together and go, we're all going to do the same thing? To, to, that, try, to try to pull this off. To try I to know. Say, we know that we're up against it, but let's all, there's only six of us now instead of 12, like there normally is. Let's all figure out what is best for everybody. And maybe it's not the best thing for the SEC, and maybe it helps the AAC a tiny bit to do it this well, way. That's, that's why. Because nobody's would you rather not have the, So you'd rather just not have the season then? Like, that's what uh, I don't understand. Is there, like, if you all just say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play eight conference games. We're going to play one non-conference game. The non-conference game is going to be the last week in September. We're going to play eight games starting October 3rd with one bye. And then you can figure out when you want to have your conference championship. And, and we're all going to do this together because we want to, because we feel we can pull off the season. Why would you not do that? Because they have no communication. Because they. It, 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 oh, I know. I, I mean, I'm just. We're just uh, but I'm what just I'm saying is, I, I know. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to answer. Can I? If you're gonna ask me a damn question, okay, let me answer, answer, Dave. Answer, but I'm just saying, like, it just it just baffles me that you'd rather. Well, here's the thing, you're expecting people that won't date each other to get married. This has been like this forever. Like this is the. The, the secret of the, the sport that nobody ever really had to face because things were never in peril. Right. But the reality never, is. Like, yes, you've ne you're asking people to marry that wouldn't date, but they've never been asked to never date again <laughs> if they didn't marry this person. Well, yeah, they're, they're all friends with benefits, right? There's no, there's no relationship between any of them. A few of them will hook up from time to time. But nobody has any like long-term uh, commitment right. oh, to each, no. I, each other. I know that that's the answer. I just, it just, that's one thing that drives me crazy in all this is that the, the the leagues that want to move forward can't even get together and formulate a plan to try to pull off a season during a pandemic, like. I just, I just don't but but again, here. But here's 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 why in that they've never worked together before. So yes, while it would make sense for them to come together and and work together now, you have to have existing relationships to do that, to to have common ground. And none of these people have ever worked together before. Hell, three of the people if we're referring to conferences as people, three of the people have done everything in their power to eliminate three of the other people. Oh, I know. So, they're, no, they're not going to, to hook up. Right? They're not going to go ahead and all get into a... Uh, what's the Mormon word? Polygamy? Polamorous, <laughs> polygamy, polamorous uh, relationship where everybody is married to everybody um, because they, they, don't, they all want to be single. That's what it comes down to, right? 
At the yeah, end of the I day, guess, guess. that's what they want is they all want to be single. Single or nothing because that's what they're yeah. going to get. Absolutely. That's why I, I, that's why I crack up at this, this notion that somehow – they're gonna the they're gonna the Power Five is gonna break away from the NCAA. No, oh, that that makes me laugh because the NCAA is their is their fall guy, right? So the NCAA they want their help when they need it, but then when anything whenever anything goes bad, they use them as the whipping boy. And you think that they're gonna break away from that and then bring all of the bad things? Then they're they're gonna have to deal with all the bad stuff. Well, no. What they would have to do is they would have to to unilaterally all create and agree on a new organization to be the fall guy. But that the, they would – right, but who's going to want to do that? Nobody, <laughs> none of them. They absolutely don't want to do that. They right. can't agree on anything. Right. They already have a situation with the NCAA. Everybody's like, well, with the NCAA, they, they've got to deal with D2 and they've got to deal with D3 and the FCS. No, they do not. They have been granted autonomy. Yeah, they are cause... not the power five. They are the autonomous five. Because the NCAA has agreed to give them more power than the NCAA. Yep. Follow the ball. So, we both are in agreement that at some point they're going to, you know, push back the timing. I think so, yeah. I, I, I think, think so. I mean, I, some people had even, some media people had even hinted at that. Um, I, it just, I just don't know how you don't. I mean, I, I'm all for trying. I think that that, I think that bothered me more than anything over the last week is the, like, looking at the timeline of everything and just just seeing like, you're just not even going to try. You're not even going to hope. Maybe it is just blind hope that we all get this turned around. But I just did not see the reason to out and out cancel a season on August, whatever, when you could theoretically, if you wanted to start a season in the middle of October. Yes. So they're going to continue what they're doing. And we, we both feel that they'll probably at some point push a schedule, um, you know, back. So then, then we get to then we just kind of from a from an American standpoint and a and a those six conference standpoint, we're just kind of in a we wait, so yeah, we wait, we we wait until uh, we wait until mommy and daddy tell us what to do. Well, we we also wait for another <laughs> week or two to see how the initial rush of students back on campus goes. That's not going to go well. Well, of course not, because it's thousands of people whether they're kids or adults going to one specific place um partying drinking hooking up doing normal college things that right you and i would be doing too regardless of whether it was a pandemic or not so i'm sure that that will probably tank this whole thing but until then i'm ready for some football which i know this isn't this is a college podcast but an NFL game will be kicking off one month from tonight, right now. So everybody can get get excited about that. What are your uh, – switching gears a little bit. What are your thoughts on this uh, growing talk of college basketball bubbles? I was going to bring that up at, later on. Um, well, I mean, we're 
50 minutes in. Right, but I still have some college football questions. Oh, Christ. All right, let's go. So you, you're, you're more into, like, the nuts and bolts, the day-to-day, the, the rules of it all than I am. My question is, we, all, we keep hearing, like, oh, well, they're not going to send the kids home for distance learning. They're going to stay on campus. Yes. How can, can they really do that from a NCAA standpoint of we're not having I, games, but we're going to make you stay and still go through the 20, the 20 hours of training well, and basically practice in two semesters, which I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do without having games in one of those semesters. They can do whatever they want to do. If they change the rules, they make the rules. Well, um, yeah, if they change the rules. I'm just saying under current structure. Right. Come on. Yeah. Um, current rules, who cares? Rules. I would say if, if there are 20 hours um, and kids on campus, my guess is that'll be voluntary. Right, I, and I assume that, but, like, I come, come to questions of, like, are they still going to test? Uh, yeah, I would just I, – I don't think the players would allow it to happen if they weren't. Right. Right? The, right, and that's getting to my point of that we all know this, but, like, the fact that they're going to try to do all this and then also say that, that this is amateur athletics. Well, the gig is up, right? The right. The gig is up. Like, like, if you're not playing games and you're making me stay on campus while – like, say, let's use the West Coast, for example, USC, UCLA, because they will not be on campus, the students. Yes. You're going to make me stay on campus. Not me. Well, right. But that's how they're going to get around. Like, I, I bring it up because that's how they're going to get around. Sure. Like, that's because, how we I have mean, to talk about it because that's what they're going to do. They're if, going to if, say if, is, if I'm a, voluntary. If I'm a Pac-12 Pac player, I'm a Big Ten player, I'm saying, holler at me two months before the season starts, guys. I'm, yeah. not, doing, I'm not doing this August, September, October, November, December – in hopes that we play a game in the start playing games in the winter. Like, yeah, I, I, I think, I think the difference is a lot of these guys are just wired different. Um, they, for large, a large portion. And for a lot of them, more than half their lives have operated where football is what they do. Oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm not saying I'm just looking at it from like a person, like a, We'll use that term that we, you and I have both laughed at, health and safety. Right, of course. Um, you know, and then I just, you know, and then they're going to get tested, but, uh, but is everybody, you know, are all the other kids on campus going to get tested? And no. it's just the whole thing is, is just disingenuous and hypocritical to the core. Well, well, yeah, and, this is this is I the hate, farce. I hate that I, the fact that there is a pandemic that is exposing all of this. But in some part of me is like, I hope that it exposes it to the 100th degree and we see legitimate change. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if that's good oh. or bad for UC. I don't know if it's good or bad change. for college sports as a whole. But change I want to see coming. Right. And, I, and I, I tweeted that out the other day. I was like, I don't know if this is good or bad, but when, whenever college sports does come back, it's gonna, I think it's going to be vastly different than what we're all used to seeing. I would agree. 
Okay, so we've you know we've covered that the whole work the twenty hour thing is kind of laughable and and whatnot, but it's gonna happen. It but is, it's, but it's not gonna be mandatory. I mean, if you if you're if you're worth your salt at all, don't you just opt out and be like, I'm getting ready for the draft. Well, if you can go to the draft, like that's not a very big number of, of well, people. It's bigger than you think. I mean, there's close between 70 and 100 juniors that declare every year, and only about half of that get drafted. So that's one player a team. That not well plus seniors. Okay. They'd still technically be opting out because they technically have a year of eligibility left. That's assuming that all like there's still probably only average of one player a team. No, I know, but that's a senior that's gonna like. I don't think. Of course, it like at Alabama and Ohio State, uh, and and Clemson, th- this is a different conversation. But I, I, we don't cover them. So, so what happens then? I know we're not there yet, but these are just questions that come to my mind. So, they've talked about well, we're going to carry your eligibility, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a scholarship. Correct. Are they? Do you think they will expand rosters? You know what I wish would happen? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know exactly how they're going to handle this. You know what should happen? Schools should stop the racket of charging for scholarships. It's a racket. There's a, lo- there's a lot of rackets going on in higher education. <laughs> that need Correct. To but these athletes are selling the school. They are a walking billboard advertisement for the school. Sure. You want to solve a lot of problems in college athletics? Quit charging yourself for the scholarship of student athletes. Yeah. Quit doing it. What, what good does you're, – you're, you're, you're robbing from Peter to pay Paul. It should just be a line item. Right. Okay, it doesn't like, even have to be a line item. Like, they're in. Like, just look at it from – like, let's look at UC's standpoint. Say that there's not a, a fall season. And there's not a – like, say this senior class is so tight-knit that maybe only James Smith and James Wiggins opt out and go pro. So you still have roughly 20 seniors that have another year to play. Yeah. How many recruits then are, allowed, are they allowed to bring in? Good question. How many can you bring in because you have to pay for the scholarships? Right. And, and your scholar, you only have it set up in the system through your donors and whatever else to pay for scholarships. Right. Wipe it out. Be done this, with it. This Be, quit bring, charging this, yourself. This brings us to, I think the biggest point that I came across in all of this is that Two leagues, two major leagues, whatever, yes. you can say whatever we want about the other leagues, canceled their seasons with no plan on when they would play next, what they would do about player eligibility, what they would do about scholarships for each team, what they would do about recruiting when it came to visits, signing day, numbers, anything. Correct. And yet, all of that known, we are supposed to believe that these same group of people are going to be able to pull together 
a football season from January <laughs> to March. Right. <laughs> That's my big, like, I'm, hey, let's, of course, I'm like one of the most optimistic guys ever. Yes, let's try to have a season in the spring, winter, whatever. It's not spring, it's winter. But let's try to have a season. Why not? Why wouldn't we try? But yet, you know, and all the the things that people get lost in the weeds about, well, what if guys opt out or the weather or this, that, and the other. None of that matters to me when I look at the college football landscape and who's in charge. And I'm supposed to believe that these bunch of slappies who haven't started talking about it until this week. That's, that was, that was mind blowing. That, that they have not really had any significant conversation about a season in the spring until this week that I'm supposed to believe in five months, this is all just going to come together for them. I'm with you. I'm with you. Can I, can I, can I go back to the part about where schools charge themselves for athletic scholarships? Yeah, go for it. Why do they do that? Well, because they're higher education, Chad. They're very smart. They, there must be a reason. We're talking what in a campus of what 40,000 at UC yeah roughly you can't eat a thousand scholarships or or 500 scholarships or however I know how many student athletes there are but it's tricky because 300 yeah the numbers are split and most school most sports don't have a full allotment of scholarships but let's say you've got 85 for football you got 13 for basketball uh that's a hundred for men, plus you add baseball, which is what, like nine or 13 or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, there's probably 300 scholarships, right? Sure. Roughly between men's and women's. That would be my guess. Yeah, Somebody, I think I I'm saw sure. Something like there were like 350 something student athletes at UT or something. Like no, there's that. way more student athletes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's how many scholarships there are. Right. I'm talking about pure how many scholarships are there? Why aren't we waiving those? Why, why does the university make the athletic department pay the university for those scholarships? I don't know. You know talk about subsidizing funding, blah, 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 blah. At worst, it should be covered the cost of in-state tuition. If you've got an out-of-state tuition kid, then, then maybe the athletic department has to cover the difference what's, between what's in-state difference? and out between sure. in-state and out-of-state tuition. Sure. The school should not be charging the athletic department for scholarships. Period. Right. That they has never made any sense to they me. They don't charge the they don't charge different academic departments when a kid declares decides what his major is going to be. They don't charge him more money. They don't you know say David Simone decided to be a poli sci major. We're going to charge the you know, department of whatever, <laughs> department right. of social well, sciences. I mean, the difference there is they charge the kid, which is what they're going to say, you know. Right, but still. But, but those, those athletes are your commercial. They are, they are advertising and advocating for your school. They are putting your school on front street. And I don't understand why we are in a situation. Maybe in the old days it made sense because college sports didn't make money, right? You know it's gonna be funny too when they when the NLI thing passes and they're paying the kids. Yeah. And then the kids are the kids are getting paid by the school, but then the athletic department is paying the school back in scholarships. 
It's the dumbest thing ever. Why does, why does that, I can't understand, I can't get my head around it. Nobody is in the comments of this, of this podcast. Explain to me why it makes sense for the school to charge the athletic department for every scholarship. And why can't it be the school eats the cost of every, at, at in-state tuition rates, <coughs> swallows the cost of every scholarship? That's, you would eliminate so many problems if you took away that, that you know what the, financial the funny part about it is there, there very well could be a very smart, very real reason. Nobody's explained it to me. But I, I just want to hear it. The reason could also, ve- on the same side, very much just be because that's how it's always been done. Uh, of course. That's what I'm afraid of. And I'm not saying I'm hell-bent on, on, like, I'll never change my mind on this. If someone is going to give me a good explanation for why it happens, I would gladly listen. But I just don't understand why that happens. I don't understand why that transaction is necessary. It's like I don't understand when there's a junior day for football and they go to a basketball game, they, the football program is charged for every one of those tickets to go to the basketball game. Because those are tickets that they could have sold to me and you. Maybe. <laughs> in, a, in a perfect world, yes. I, I right. think in most places there are usually 100 seats that go unsold for sure. most basketball No, I know. Games. I'm, I'm saying that's probably their reasoning behind it. Of course, of course it's their reasoning. It doesn't I, mean I it's still, right. <laughs> I still think it's dumb. Yes, of course. I okay, so think... to wrap this up, do okay. you think there will be a spring football season? No. Okay, neither do I. My next question. You said that was your last question. No. I I was wrapping it up. Would you say they pull that off? Uh It would more than likely then affect the 2021 season. Likely affect the start date of the 2021 season. Right, because Jeff Brom, Purdue's coach, put out this big plan today, and instantly the first thing I saw was a former – Oregon Duck and NFL player laughing that his plan now has players in shoulder pads 10 months out of the year. Yeah. Regardless of how many days Braun broke it down that they would actually be like hitting in the pads. They're still in pads every month of the year, except for June and July, which right now they're only in seven months at seven months of the year. Correct. Do you think it's smarter to, if you can't play in the fall to just say, Punch. Would you ra- would you rather uphold a full re- like? Would you forfeit the eight game and then another eight game or something to have a normal, regular, perfect, whatever you want to call it, twenty twenty one, or would you try to squeeze two eight game seasons into twenty twenty one? I don't know. I haven't given it really enough thought on fixing this spring thing because. To this don't point, think it's but one, I don't think it's going to happen, and two, to this point, uh, UC has not been pushed to the spring. Right. I mean, so, so I haven't yeah. spent much time on it because it is not uh, at this point. It is not something I've had no, to concern I, I myself that. with. Just something that I've been um, thinking about. I've got a, here, here's something I've wondered. Couldn't you come up with some way to incorporate some games into spring football? I mean, honestly, I think you can probably do whatever you want to do. 
if well, we I mean, people smart enough to freaking do it, and I don't think they do. So here's, here's my thought process on this, and this is right off the top of my head. I'm thinking about this for the first time right now. You have five weeks of spring football, generally. 15 yeah, practices, three practices March, a week. Your, your spring game is usually the first or second Saturday in, in April. Can't you, couldn't you just have a five-week season that was – or a six-week season that was uh, over the, the, the skeleton of when spring practice was going to be? I mean, sure, you could. Couldn't you do – It doesn't change a whole lot. The only thing I guess it would change is you would need a month uh, ramp up, right? You would need sure. camp they're or gonna whatever. Need they're going to need that anyway. Right. Play six games in the spring. Give them some games. I mean, that's that's my whole thing is if you're not going to play a full season, who cares how many games you play? Just play some damn games. Right. Play six games. Play four Take games. Take six weeks. Play six games. I don't care. Uh, four, fine. Whatever. Yeah, Take I mean, six, that's, what I'm, that's those, what I'm saying. Like, if it's not going to be a full season, then what's the difference between six and four? Nothing. Because it's, not like, it's not like the spring they're going to crown some national champion between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten if they play eight. Like, all of those things are irrelevant at this point. This is my whole point going back to why aren't these conferences working with each other? Who cares if it's six or eight or four? It's better than nothing. Right. That's, uh, that's, that would be what I would – if you have to – you have to punt on fall. And I'm, I'm more towards that. I do not want to – I don't want to sacrifice two full seasons. I don't want to come back in August next year and we're no non-conference games. We're eight games again because we, we shoved eight games in in the spring and we didn't get done until April or May. And now we can't start up again until September and we're going to play in October. And I don't like that idea. I'm with you. And that sucks because college football is probably my favorite sport. And that means I'm not watching college football from when UC played Boston College in January of this year until September of next year. But, like, if you keep cutting stuff down, how long can you do you have to keep doing that until you can get back to normal? Right. And playing in the spring definitely pushes getting back to normal until 2022. Right. I hate talking about this stuff. I, I really know, I do. do too. That's why I said how many months ago, maybe not months, plural, month ago, I was like, next time you see college sports, probably going to be the fall 2021. I think we're going to see basketball. Okay, let's talk about basketball since you brought that. All right. I guess we're going long tonight. Do you think <laughs> it's funny that the Pac-12 canceled all of their non-conference games until the beginning of the year, but Ryan Day's plan to start a college football season is the next day. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I do think that's funny, actually. Um, the thing – I think that the thing there is the Pac-12 is only doing – what everybody behind the scenes in college basketball has been talking about for months. Right. They actually kind of have a little bit, a little bit of an organizational structure 
for their sport, which should well, probably help them out in this case. It, here's the crazy part. The NCAA is actually in charge of college basketball. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> college basketball is not conference by conference, everybody. I mean, it is to an extent. But, but ultimately, even, it's, even to it's that not. extent, though, they have Dan Gavitt, who yes, they have of, someone in charge. Kind of sits the, at least, you know, answers. He's the, the figurehead. Right. Mark Emmert just sits there and does Skype interviews with Andy Katz and doesn't even take questions from anybody. And well, that's because by design, Mark Emmert has no say in what happens in college football. Oh, for sure. They they have no desire on having one word of input from Mark Emmert on college football. Right. That's, that's, as the kids would call it, real talk. Right. But again, goes back to the whole leadership thing where it's like, hey, NCAA, maybe even though you know that that's the way it's set up, I mean, try to help. You're, you just gave out like $400 million a couple of years ago or whatever it was to all the schools because they had, you had so much extra money. You had to prove that you were a nonprofit. You had to distribute it to all the schools. Well, they know they used it to um, they used it to uh, fund uh, legal cases. Yeah. <laughs> but so you so you brought up the bubble for basketball, and you're definitely more tied into the basketball than I am. My first question is: Can you do that legally, NCAA wise? from that standpoint for college versus the NBA or NBA or whatever sport. That you're can. Okay. Again, they make the rules. If they want to change the rules, they will change the rules right. to whatever they want the rules to be. My second question is there are more than almost three times as many. Yeah. There's three. How is that going to work? How? It's not. Because everybody can't pay for that. No, it's. It, 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 did you see the uh, the Houston bubble idea today? No, I, I I've tried to not. I did, I mean, uh, not necessarily on purpose, but I'm like, I'm more. I'm a little more concerned with like, are we going to play football versus some bubble theory for basketball? It's a little bit away from. So me. so there's a guy that uh, it, it has has some holiday events that he promotes. Whatever. Um, that is pushing the idea of a 20-team bubble in Houston from December 1st to December 21st, where everybody there in those 21 days gets somewhere between 9 and 11 non-conference games. Okay. And are all those teams from Texas? No. Open invite. Oh, okay. Open invite. Um, The thought process being that Obviously, these would be power schools, right? Be- because the plan is to take the money you had set aside for buy games, right, and use that to pay your way into the bubble. <laughs> right? Hey, you. So UC's not playing in the bubble. Well, here's the thing. Where's the because that money for buy games is only there? Right, who are you paying the money to? This guy? Yeah, to pay oh, for the okay. bubble. To That's pay for the, the bubble. Okay. Somebody has to pay for the hotels and the food and right. transportation and and all of those things. Sure. Um. However, the only reason that buy game money is is viable 
is by having fans in the stands. Why do you think everybody in college basketball is so quick to say, see you in January? Yeah. Because they, there, are, there is zero chance there are going to be fans in the stands for college basketball in November and December. In fact, there's zero chance there's going to be fans in the stands for college basketball in January or February or March. But yeah, those like, are conference games. They don't cost you any money to if, have the game, to, if to, have, to play the game. Paying, I don't even know who. Uh, someone on their schedule, it's a buy game, $50,000, and there's no fans there. They don't have that $50,000 anymore. <clears throat> right, they are losing. Now, maybe you get some of it back from, from uh, hypothetically – from your TV deal because you'll be getting the money for your TV deal. Right. I'm sure this thing would be broadcast. So it would be split up between all the schools, whatever but, someone pays but, to broadcast. But where this guy has a fucking TV. Or, sorry, Dan. <laughs> sorry, Dan. That's, hey, that's pretty good. We went like over an hour without our, with our first one. That was very natural because I, it, it, this guy has a TV deal. Like he's just got, he's just right. got a, he's got uh, CBS, he's, he's, he's like, got ESPN in his back pocket. He's like, uh, hey, Bob Iger, I got these 20 teams. Uh, what, how much you talking? Like, how much money is this guy really think he's going to get from flowhoops.com? Oh, uh, <laughs> But, but that's like, that's, that's real talk, right? Right. But is, is that though any different <laughs> than like these plans we've seen where like 375 teams in bubbles all across the country? Like, how's, how the how, hell does that work? How does that work? Like, how, how does a team in the SWAC pay for a games? Like, if they're not traveling to the 13 non-conference road games that they play to, right. make their, to make their budget, how are they paying to get into this bubble? Right. Great question. Who's paying for the bubble? Someone fronting them? Like, I got your Dave, cover charge? Like, Dave, how much do you think the NBA bubble is going to cost? Oh, my or, God. The, I mean – in the hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe a billion. $100, $150 million for the NBA bubble. Oh, that's, that's low from what I would have guessed. I'm sure, though, there are um, – Well, there's st- I mean, the way that they're st- living is different than the way a college kid would live in a bubble. Yes, yes. <laughs> Theoretically, yes. They're staying um, at five-store resorts. The college kids would be staying at, you know, Red Roof Inn. A Weston. <laughs> maybe a Weston. Um. But where where are these millions of dollars? Because like, you know, it's not going to be one hundred and fifty million dollars to to put. You're going to put a, a a conference in a bubble and play a conference schedule. Let's say, right? Let's 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 just use the American as the as the conference. We're going to put the bubble in Memphis. No, then Dallas is headquarters. They've got that that gym, that, the, the new the, gym. The rodeo. Has, yeah. it, has it been used yet? Yes. <laughs> so, perfect you got opportunity the gym. in Fort there, Worth. There are so lots you're going to put. Ho- there are lots of hotels. Uh, in you're Dallas, put them, you've got 11 teams. No, you have, actually have 22 because you're going to put the women's team there too. Okay, you got 22 teams. Because you can't possibly do this without the women being involved. I mean, and I'm, not being, I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, that's, that shouldn't happen. So we, we, we already talked about if they were going to do this non-conference bubble, it was going to be 21 days. They were going to get 9 to 11 games out of it. Uh, you're not going to make these kids play every day. So, what two, even, two games a week, and then every other week three? I mean, that's kind of how the schedule goes in general. You're probably right? in a bubble going to do three games a week. Okay, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. That something like that. Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Monday, other, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. Sunday. Like right, whatever it is. You're going to be there for what? 
five, six weeks to get 18 I mean, games? How long, how long does – yeah, I mean, if you played 18 conference games and you played three a week, that's six weeks. How is that possible? You're, it's not. Right? It no. sounds cute. Like, it, look, it it's sounds – the theory it's just sounds like the spring, It's just like the spring football stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, this sounds wonderful. Yeah, but no, it, but that doesn't sound great. The no, reason I mean, this – the reason this sounds great is because the NBA has shown they can a bubble works. A bubble works. Right. But if you don't have the money, how do you make the bubble work? Because well, the bubble is reliant on who's paying for the tests. Because the tests for 22 teams to be tested at minimum every other day is, is a lot. For six weeks. And for six well, weeks. Plus, before they get there, they have to be tested – a lot yeah, you got to make sure quarantine. that they're not. Yeah, they're quarantining for two weeks probably before that. So this is an eight-week venture. Which how now, are you well, quarantining? How are you quarantining for two weeks if you're playing this non-conference bubble right before that? Right, but you're <laughs> quarantining for two weeks, and then you're you're traveling to to Dallas hypothetically. Like quarantining again because you just traveled. Yeah, you're quarantining again. Um, then you have to start practicing. Yeah, you're to not get just ready, show up and start playing games to get ready for the six weeks. So that's another week minimum, two weeks. And while the games are going on, where are you practicing? Right, because you're going to have to get practice in on your days off because that's what happens. Because the games will have to be going all day long. Yeah. To get yeah. if you're only using one arena, they're going to have to be going all day long, so you can't practice there. Well, you'd have to find somewhere else to play. Well, a bunch you'd have of to find places. a second I mean, site. you got 22 teams. Yeah. That's 22 that's 11 games. So it's not really a bubble. No. Then you've eliminated the the reality of a bubble. Here's 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 my my cherry on the top. Dan Gavitt today. We there will be a tournament. Okay. Who's playing in this tournament, Dan? Well, the thing is they can afford a bubble. For the NCAA tournament. No, but I'm saying who's playing in the tournament. Right, how are you picking teams for the tournament? I know. The, I get the, you on that. The mid, the, the low majors aren't playing in it because they are not having a bubble. So, is this just a do Power you, 5 tournament? Do you, do you think they care if the low oh, majors are playing in it or not? But this is just another – this is another notch on the, your whole amateurism thing as a joke, and we're going right. to blow up your system. So don't come out today and say there's going to be a tournament when you know damn well that over half the teams in your little NCAA can't afford to be in that tournament under the current setup. Correct. Well, that was fun, Dave. <laughs> that real—I mean, honestly—that was that was a pretty fast, like like hour and twenty minutes. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Hopefully, I it's, it's we, as easy to listen to. I think we covered a lot of ground. We did. We did. I'm just glad that when we talked about doing this today or yesterday, that nothing actually happened today or yesterday. That would have really made sense. <laughs> right. Well, thankfully, and, and thankfully, everybody chilled out for two days. I think for me, the good thing also was like I, doing six hours of radio, I've had a lot of time to think through a lot of this stuff. Right. Like even on stuff that I, I you know, you, you kind of, you think is going to be a topic. And um, I don't think people think of this side of like radio. Like uh, you spend a lot of time, like, would this topic work? 
and you start going through your brain of like, okay, what really are my thoughts on this topic? And then you get through it and you're like, well, that was four minutes of radio. Right. It's and, like, that's just an opinion I have. That's not a right. radio show topic. <laughs> right. And it's not going to, to, to generate phone calls. It's not going to, it's just like an opinion I had. Now, you know, the ESPN guys will take that and, and do 50 minutes on it. Yeah. Um, I'll be on every show throughout the day. Right. But for me, it's like, uh, like uh, my feelings aren't as strong on that as I thought they were going to be when I, when I started hashing out the, the potential topic. Right. So I, I think, you know, I think we were on point. I think we covered a lot of ground. I think we had a good talk. I think we, we got to talk football, actual football. I think um, tomorrow could be a good day for Bearcat Journal. That's a nugget for somebody that, you know, listened this late into the podcast. I don't even um, know what we're talking about. <laughs> good, good. I like that. I like that. You're going to as we stop recording, but that's beside the point. Maybe, maybe. Um, so I would, I would, I would stay tuned tomorrow. Refresh a lot. See what's going on. Um, but I, I, I think we covered a lot of ground on, on where UC stands. Uh, some good information on the football team. Some interesting information on basketball, and 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 you got a lot of opinions out of it. So I think it was a it was a good show. It was a long yeah. show. That's okay. Uh, every once in a while we do a long show, and there's a lot that happened. Like we had a lot to unpack. We so didn't even talk about. We didn't even talk about some things that we could right. have talked about because it's like it's in this cycle. It's now four days old, which is totally irrelevant now. Right. So hopefully you enjoyed. It's uh, it's been a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, so now it's... as you read all these new basketball bubble stories that have been popping up, you can think of all the points that Chad and I brought up and laugh hysterically at them. Like I've been laughing at the idea of winter football. Right. All right, Dave. Well, um, we're on a, we're on a weekly cycle now. I, I think I only have radio Monday of next week. So we will, uh, we will read the, the tea leaves, see what's going on in the college sports world, and then try to try to find the right time to strike and drop the next episode of the BCJ podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you to Dave. It's a good show. You, you did a great, you were you, more than ever. You played host tonight. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow. <laughs> and I thank you for that. I, again, six hours of radio. I didn't, the last two days, I didn't have a whole lot of time to sit down and, and plan out this podcast. So right. uh, I, I appreciate you uh, with the, with the strong host game today. Uh, that'll wrap it up though. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thank you to the Holy Grail, as always. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.